Well, hey, Northside, welcome to our service online. So glad that you're with us. My name's Nate, one of the pastors here. And we are in a series right now called Hindsight's 2020 uh, because we don't know how to see clearly in this year. There's been a ton of change of plans. Hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving last weekend and we know that was probably a change of plans for how your family met. It was for mine. And uh, actually we did something kind of fun. We had a uh, basically a FaceTime call with my sister over in Romania and we sat there at the table with her face sitting there next to us and we had Thanksgiving dinner. Never done that before. But this is the season, and this is why we're doing this series, because we didn't see this year coming, and we're trying to make sense of it. And what we find at Christmas is this. Christmas gives us hindsight to how we can understand when all of our plans are changing. This last week is actually one of my favorite weeks of the year, not just because we get to be with family and we get to have Thanksgiving to, uh, together, uh, but I'm kind of a college sports junkie, and it is one of my favorite weeks because you have college basketball and you have college football going on at the same time, and it is the most wonderful time of the year. But this is how I know that the world is experiencing a change of plans. I watched my beloved Hoosiers get waxed the other day in the Maui Classic. The only thing is this, the Maui Classic was in Asheville, North Carolina. You make sense of that. Plans have changed this year. And what we're doing in this series is this, we're looking at the different people in the story of Christ coming to earth and how he changed their plans. Last week, we looked at how Mary had her plans changed. She was engaged to Joseph. She's a young teenage Jewish girl. Things are on track. Families are coming together. The plans are going to be phenomenal. And then an angel of the Lord shows up and says, I have an incredible opportunity for you. And what we find is this, in the midst of her plans changing, God saw her faithfulness. God saw her life and he did an incredible work in and through her. Today we're going to look at Joseph, who's kind of a quiet character within the nativity story. And what we're going to find with Joseph today is this. Joseph had his plans changed in an unbelievable amount of ways. One was this, he was engaged to Mary. Then he finds out his fiance, who he has not had union with, is now pregnant with the baby. And the thing is this, it's not his kid. I know it sounds kind of like a crazy Maury Povich episode, but he's going, wait a second, what, what's going on? My fiance is pregnant with a kid. It's not mine. And what we're going to find is he's going to say, okay, the marriage is off, the engagement is off. And he says, I'm going to plan to divorce her quietly. And what we're going to find today is this, Jesus had a change of plans for him. And he moves from being somebody who's about ready to file for divorce. And he ends up getting to deliver the son of God. Talk about a change of plans. That's actually what the book of Matthew is all about. You know, sometimes when we open the New Testament, it's the first book in the New Testament, the gospel of Matthew, who was a follower, who walked with Jesus, who saw Jesus, who had his life changed by Jesus. His plans had changed. And it happened all because Jesus came in and redid everything in his heart and his life. And he writes the book of Matthew. And literally what he's trying to do is this. He is writing the book of Matthew to let everybody know that Jesus has come and he has changed every plan for all time. That literally is how he opens Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. He says this. He says, this is a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The word there literally means the genesis of Jesus. 
He says it again in verse 18. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. How, mother, how his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. What Matthew does through his gospel is this. He writes to a Jewish audience, and the Jewish audience, followers of God, the Israelites, knew the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament by by heart. They knew Genesis. They knew Exodus. They knew Leviticus. They knew Numbers. They knew Deuteronomy. They knew their heritage. They knew their story. And then Jesus comes in, and in this part, Matthew is saying is this. Jesus is now the new Torah. Jesus is now the new teacher. Jesus is now the new plan. Jesus is now the new way. It's not through Moses. It's not through the Mosaic law. It is now through Jesus. And he literally writes the book of Matthew in five sections to replicate that Jesus is the new plan. Jesus is the new way forward. And so what I want us to do is this. I want Jesus, as much as our plans have changed, this is what happened at Christmas and what he's wanting to do for us today is this. Jesus wants to change our plans. And my prayer is this, as we begin to read and we look at the story, no matter what you and I are going through, that today we would allow Jesus to change everything about us. We would allow Jesus to come in at this season of Christmas because if we miss him, we miss everything that this season is about. And that's what happened in the life of Joseph. He had his plans, he had everything, and then Jesus comes into the picture and changes it all. Listen to what it says in verse 19. It says, not only that Mary was to be found with child through the Holy Spirit, it said, because Joseph sent, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph's going, okay, plans are changed. My fiance's now pregnant. Uh, it's not mine. The Jewish way was you're either going to publicly shame somebody or you were going to divorce them quietly. And he goes, you know what? He's a righteous man. I want to honor her. I'm going to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, after he had changed his plans, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What God is doing in her isn't something bad. The change of plans that are going on is actually something good, Joseph. Don't miss out on this change of plan. And she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place, Matthew says, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. And he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Boy, you talk about a change of plans. I know we've had a crazy year in 2020. That's a crazy change of plans. And in the midst of the changing of plans, we see Jesus at work, God at work through Joseph's life. 
And, and the biggest thing I want us just to, to kind of wrap our minds around today is this. In the midst of our changing of plans, we can feel so defeated. But this is why Christmas happened. Because this is what he said. Jesus has come as Emmanuel. And this is what it means. God with us. That in the midst of our world changing, in the midst of our lives changing, God is with us. But here's what we've got to understand. It's not just that God is with us so we're not alone. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. God with us means this. That Jesus hasn't just left us alone, but he's saying, I'm not going to leave you alone in your sin. If we miss this, we'll miss the entire point of Christmas. See, Jesus came to be with us, and this is what actually separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. Because every other religion in the world will either say this, that, that the God that they believe in is too holy, too divine to have any interaction with us lowly broken creatures or will bring the bar so low that here's a God, there's a God, everywhere a God, God. And everything's God. And so since everything's God, God really isn't this magnificent divine thing. And what happens in this story is this, God is trying to communicate to Joseph and Mary and to us today that not only is the divine God holy, but the Holy One has come to be with us in the midst of our distress. In the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our broken plans, he's come to save us in the midst of the death that we face, in the midst of the sin that we go through. See, Emmanuel means God with us, but it's not just God with us. He said that you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now here's why that's a big deal. The prayer of the Israelite nation for years and years and years were this, God, would you come and would you send us a savior? Would you send us a Messiah who would overthrow Rome? And what their prayer was really saying is this, God, would you come and save us from their sin? We're pretty good about identifying other people's sin, aren't we? Matter of fact, some of us, we feel like that's our spiritual gift. We can go around and we can spot what is wrong with every single person. Hey, let me, let me tell you what's wrong with you, you know? And we think that's our role. We think that that's our job. And really what happens when Jesus comes here is this, when it, the name Jesus literally means the Lord saves. See, when we claim Jesus, when we follow Jesus, what we're saying is I'm not, I'm not able to save myself. Only Jesus can save me. And this is why at the Christmas story, this is so important to catch. It's not just that God is with us. It's that God has come to save us from our sin. And that's humbling, isn't it? Because we can point out everybody else's sin. But the more you and I slow down, especially at Christmas, and recognize that our Heavenly Father, our Creator, sent His Son, who was perfect, holy, had everything right, and stepped into everything that is wrong. See, this is the bigness of the story of Christmas. Plans changed forever when Jesus showed up on the scene. When Jesus came in, everything began to change. The Israelites, when Jesus was here, the reason why a lot of the Pharisees and different people were frustrated with him is because they wanted him to save them from Rome. And he's going, I'm not here to save you from Rome. I'm here to save you from your sins. And if you read on into Roman history, Rome goes ahead and they burn themselves down. But Jesus says, I'm here to save you from what you can't save yourself from. I didn't just come to be with you, which what a gift to have God with us. I came to save you. 
Jesus even has to clarify this when Nicodemus comes and meets with them in John chapter 3. We know this story, if, if you know this story at all. But, but John 3.16, we know that verse. He, Jesus is meeting with this man, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus has all sorts of questions because Jesus has showed up on the scene and now that's going to change his plans and he's having all sorts of questions. And Jesus gives him the line, John chapter 3, verse 16, and he says this, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But right after that in John three seventeen, listen what it says. It says after that, Jesus says, the son of man didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. See, this is why Jesus came. He, he came to be with us, but he came to save us. This is the gift of Christmas. You and I don't have to save ourselves, but we allow the Savior of the world to come in and to change our plans, to take away the sin. Because it's not just our sin that needs to be taken away of. We know the punishment of our sin. We know how we regret our sin. We know how we've been punished by the sin of others. And Jesus says, I've come to save you from that sin. Another famous story is in John chapter 8. People still don't like the plans that Jesus are bringing and that he's teaching in. And in John chapter 8, there's the story of the woman who's caught in adultery. And the Pharisees, a lot of theologians believe, kind of made the story up to capture this woman because she couldn't give uh, valid testimony. And they wanted to trick Jesus. And if you remember the story, Jesus says, hey, you cast the first stone who are without sin. You who are without sin, you go ahead and you chuck that rock. And everybody realized, wait a second, we're all sinners. And Jesus goes, that's right. And one by one, they leave. And he asked the woman, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. And then he says this, then neither do I condemn you. So go now and sin no more. Jesus lays the groundwork for how we can experience Christmas and why he came in that sentence. And if we lose the order of that sentence, we lose Christmas. When Jesus says this, neither do I condemn you anymore. So go now and leave your life of sin. What he's saying is this, let me save you. Now go and live in the life and the plans that I have for you. And when we reverse that, when we reverse it and we begin to live a life that says, I'm gonna try and sin no more and hopefully I'm good enough that one day Jesus won't condemn me. What happens is this, we don't experience God with us. We don't experience the grace and the gift of Jesus. We don't experience freedom from our sin. We don't experience this. Matter of fact, we find the trapping of trying to be better and the load getting heavier on our back of trying to become better. And sometimes we pray stuff like this. I've prayed this before. God, I, I believe in you, but would you just show up today? God, would you show up in a mighty way? And I think God's probably got to laugh at some of my prayers. He's going, Nate, what's Christmas all about, my man? I have shown up. I've shown up with my son. And my son, Nate, has come to save you. He's shown up. Will you show up and meet the grace that he has for you? This is what Joseph 
goes through. He has to wrestle through allowing God to change his plans. And when you and I become followers of Jesus, this is what makes the church such a beautiful, messy place is all of us are broken people who are sinful, but have a savior who has come to rescue us. And this is the wrestling match that Joseph goes through. Joseph wrestles through this stuff. And even I'm sure he's doubting going, really God, the virgin birth? One of my favorite stories from a commentary I was reading on this, because sometimes people do get hung up on the virgin birth and they're going, how is that possible? And sometimes we do, we read scriptures and we go, wow, you know, my mind can't conceive this. Uh, In the 18th century, John Wesley, he was a famous uh, theologian and evangelist. And uh, in England in the 18th century, uh, he had a revival one, t- one night and, and a man came to Christ and he was a minor. He was kind of a blue collar guy. And uh, he came to Christ, gave his life to the Lord, let Jesus save him, change his plans. And later on, the, the, the people said the story happened is when he went back to tell his coworkers and friends, they all just started making fun of him. And they said, you really believe that Jesus could turn water into wine? You, you really believe that? And the guy just said this to him. I love this story. He said, well, I wasn't there when he, Jesus turned water into wine, but I can tell you this. I've seen Jesus turn beer into furniture in my house. They said, what, what are you talking about? And what he went on to say was this. He goes, I was an alcoholic until Jesus came into my life. I was an absolute train wreck. And now I've seen Jesus turn this alcoholic into a new man. See, what happens at Christmas is this, when we allow Jesus to change our plans, and not just to change our plans, when we allow Jesus to be our plan, we begin not just to see biblical things, we get to see personal things transpire. See, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is why Joseph had trouble understanding this. He's going, God is doing a new work and my mind can't, I can't comprehend. See, this is why we need God with us. Because here's what happens. God with us doesn't just save us from our sins. Here's what goes on. God with us means this, that our thoughts become his thoughts. This is what happens in the story of Joseph. Joseph's thoughts become God's thoughts. The story starts out by saying he had this whole idea, okay, I've got to divorce Mary. I'm going to do it quietly. It says he was a righteous man. It made sense to him because there was only two options. One, you have publicly shaming your fiance and which could actually end up leading to killing them, stoning them to death, or you, you privately, quietly divorce them. And here's what God says. It's not about one of two options. I have a third option. It's my son, Jesus. See, I think this is really important for us to get a hold of today in our culture because a lot of times our culture says you've got two options. You either believe this or you believe that. And as Christians, we reject both of those and we say, no, we believe in Jesus. Your options will not box us in. Your options will not contain Jesus. We choose and follow him because our thoughts are becoming his thoughts. And this is actually what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. Listen what he says. He says, this is the way of God. God doesn't fit in our neat little tiny boxes. Listen what it says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. This is the word of God through Isaiah. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways 
are your ways, declare the Lord. In verse 9, he says, the heavens are higher than the earth, so as my ways are higher than your ways, so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. See, this is why we need God with us. We need a new change of plan in our life. And God with us, Christ with us, is the Son of God, not just with us, but it's the Son of God to save us and to change our way of thinking. Joseph, when he encountered this, had a change of thought. And some people look at this and they go, well, yeah, it said that the Lord appeared to him in a dream. It'd be cool if God would appear to me in a dream and, and I would change my life too. If, if, I, if I had a dream and man, I would do all sorts of things. If God would just speak through dreams to me, let me put that in context. All throughout the Old Testament and even right here, this was how God communicated. But now let, let me remind you, we have the Bible. God is communicating. The Holy Spirit that conceived Christ and Mary is the same Holy Spirit that wrote this book and it's the same Holy Spirit that resides in you and I when we become followers of Jesus. It's the power of the presence of God in our lives. I've had this happen many times when I've been listening to a preacher or somebody will come up once in a while after a sermon and they'll say this to me. They'll say, man, that sermon really spoke to me. I've said that to a number of mentors. They'll share something. I go, man, that spoke to me. I needed to hear that right then and right now. And what I want to ask them, a lot of times I don't, but what I want to ask them a lot of times, how'd you know? How'd you know I needed to hear that? And here's what's so neat about being a follower of Jesus. We don't know. All we know is this, that God is speaking to us. God is speaking to us through his word. God is speaking to us through his spirit. God is actually speaking to us through one another, through his Holy Spirit. Let me encourage you this Christmas season, do not turn down the volume of what the Holy Spirit is saying in your heart and your life, especially as a lot of our plans are changing. Matter of fact, we're going to have to lean in a little bit more. We're going to have to listen a little bit more attentively because the noise around us will get louder and louder. And what God is saying is this, in the midst of all of this, I am God with you and I am speaking and I have thoughts for you that you do not have. This is what happens in the life of Joseph. See, we want to see God move and we want to see God do great things in our life. Here's the thing. We want to see those results, but we have to give ourselves to the process. We have to give ourselves to the ways and the thoughts of God. See, it's Christ with us. He saves us and then his thoughts become our thoughts in the life of Joseph. And the next thing we see here in Joseph's life is this. It's not just that his thoughts become God's thoughts, but his ways become God's ways. This is what it says. He said, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin would be with child and would give birth to a son and they would call him Emmanuel, God with us. And then listen what happens right after verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Joseph in this moment, okay, God, you're with me. This is a change of plans. This is crazy. My thoughts are going to become your thoughts. 
And now my ways, God, are going to become your ways. I I was fascinated at the word, just these two words. It's right when it says, after Joseph woke up, all it said is this. He did. He did. I, I was just moved by that. Okay, God, this is crazy. This is different. I'm a little bit overwhelmed in this. But Joseph did. Man, I, I began to just be moved this week as I read that passage. I'm like, man, wouldn't that be awesome if that was what was said about our lives at the end of our last day? That the only thing people could say about you and I are this, boy, they did what the Lord called them to do. Boy, they did what the Spirit was leading in their life. Boy, they moved out. You know what's fascinating is this? Not one time here in the story of Joseph do we see one word of him recorded. But his life speaks loudly without even saying a word. You know how it speaks loudly? Through one word. Obedience. Obedience. Here's what I forget. Obedience speaks louder than my words. Obedience speaks louder than my words. You and I, we can talk a good game. It's good. I love talking with you as a camera. You know, I, maybe, I don't know if you're still there or not. But here's the thing. We can talk. Well, what's going to matter is this. What are we going to do after this talk? What are we going to do after the Lord has spoken to us through his word and through his Holy Spirit, what are we going to do? One of the things I'm learning more and more as I read the scripture is this. We talk a lot about surrendering our lives to Jesus, and especially for men, but I found this for men and women. It's not just for men. That idea of surrender, boy, it seems pretty defeating. Here's what I'm learning more about surrender. Here's what I'm learning more about obedience, especially in the life of Joseph in this moment, that surrender is always active. It's not passive surrendering to Jesus, surrendering to say, okay, Jesus, you are my plan. Regardless of what's happening in my life right now, you are my plan. I'm going to do what you've called me to do, no matter the circumstances, no matter how crazy this looks. And it can't get any crazier than this in Joseph's life. But Joseph did. And what happened is when we surrender our lives to the Lord, we do three things that he did. One, he woke up and he took Mary as his wife. We don't know the the, the context about this, but here's what that means. He could have been publicly shamed from his own family. He's going, I'm going to obey the Lord, even if that means it's going to cost me my family. I'm going to obey the Lord. Some people would kind of excommunicate you from the Jewish community if you wouldn't live according to the law of Moses. He risked his business for being obedient to the Lord. And he's saying, I'm going to take Mary as my wife. God, you've called me to do this. This is unbelievable. It's by the Holy Spirit. But your ways, God, are going to be my ways. And you know why? Because, God, you are with me, Emmanuel, God with us. But here's the other thing. Not only does he take Mary as his wife, this is what the Scripture says, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to the son Jesus. Now, you know, unbelievable virgin birth, the Holy Spirit conceiving. I think here's a second miracle here is that a man was married and didn't have union with his wife for six months. 
That's called dependence on the Holy Spirit right there, right? That's a miracle in and of itself. But Joseph said, here's the deal. I'm going to take Mary as my wife and I'm going to honor what God's doing. I'm going to honor God in my marriage. I'm going to honor. I don't want people to be confused if this is my child or not. This child is from God through the Holy Spirit. Joseph did. And you know how he walked in obedience? Not by his strength. But God with us. I think too many times we wear ourselves out trying to follow Jesus when we do it in our own strength. See, God with us is what fills us. God with us is what sustains us. God with us is what protects us. God with us is what breaks us of our addiction. God with us in this community is what continues to allow us to move in the path that God has for us. And then the last thing Joseph did here is this. He gives the child the name Jesus. What he's doing is this. He goes, I know that when I give this child the name Jesus, That means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. The Lord saves. And in that moment, Joseph knew, okay, God, this isn't my initial plan, but God, this is your plan. God, these are your ways. I know right now for a lot of us, We feel like our plans are evaporating day by day. New plans, new things. I was at a coffee shop today, walked in for getting to record this sermon. Somebody said, hey, heard we closed back down as a church. Yes, not my plan. Not my plan. Not what I want. You know how we get through these moments? Not by our plans, but by the plan. God with us. What's fascinating about Joseph is this. You only see him talked about a few more times in the Bible. You see him talked about when Jesus is 12. And actually, he doesn't follow his family home. He stays in the temple. And then in Luke chapter 4, When Jesus preaches his first sermon, they say, isn't this Joseph's son? We don't really know what happens to Joseph. But all we know is this. His legacy was doing what the Lord called him to do. Okay, God, these plans, they're bigger than my plans. What you're doing This is bigger than anything I could dream of. See, Jesus at Christmas, he is our new plan. What I want us to do, and we're going to do this kind of every week at this Christmas season, is we don't want to just talk about the story of Jesus. We want to be about the story of Jesus. We want to live and walk in the ways of obedience just like Joseph did in response to the angel of the Lord. And here's Here's the truth for each one of us. God is calling us to walk in the ways of his plan in Jesus. Matter of fact, right now, I wanna put up a couple questions uh, for us and I wanna invite you during this time, whether you're by yourself, I wanna invite you just take the next couple moments 
and, and look over these. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through them real quick and I'm gonna pray for us. Or maybe you got your life group with you. Maybe you got your family with you. And here's what I just want us to do for a moment because we know our plans are changing. And here's the first question I want you just to wrestle with a little bit right now is just begin to take a moment and reflect on this and ask yourself, how has God been near to you this year in the midst of your sin? We know the sin of everybody else. I know that. We know that. What about our sin? See, this is where Christmas gets meaningful. When you begin to become vulnerable and open and allow Jesus to be with you and to save you in the midst of your sin. How have you seen God be near to you in the midst of your sin? Second question I want you to wrestle with today is this. What new thoughts are Jesus filling your mind with compared to your old way of thinking? What new plan does Jesus, is he trying to get into your mind? He's going, hey, that's not the way. I have a new way. I have a new path. I have new things. One of my favorite passages is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Boy, don't lean on our own understanding at Christmas. Allow a new plan to take over. The last question I want you to wrestle with today is this. Where is God calling you to obedience right now? Even when it might not make sense. Boy, I tell you, at Christmas, when we talk about the idea of God with us, this plan, changed everything. This plan of God sending his son, Jesus, to earth changed everything. It changed everything for the Israelites and it changed everything for the world. That's why on December 25th in our world, even if people don't believe in Jesus or not, the world shuts down. His plans changed. Plans changed when Jesus came into this world. And here's the good news. No matter how your plans have changed this world this year, you have a Savior who is with you. You have a Savior who's come to take away your sin. You have a Savior who has come to give you new thoughts. You have a Savior who's come to give you a new way. In this moment, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for me as well, because like Joseph, boy, when we get this news and everything begins to change, it begins to create a little bit of angst in us. In the midst of all of that, God's plan is unfolding. So let me pray for us right now. And then I want to encourage you to spend time with those questions today. So let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. God, thank you that in the midst of Joseph's life, what an unbelievable move of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you that no matter how our life is shaking up, that because you came and because you are king and because you are over all things, that Jesus, we can trust you. Even when we don't see it, even when we can't understand it, even when we don't know how it's gonna end up in our life, Jesus, we know that you are with us. And because you are with us, you're enough. You're enough. And so, Father, I just ask today, as your church has broken people who need to be saved by you. God, would you help us to hear you? God, would you help us to be honest with you? 
And God, today, would you help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to do what you've called us to do. Jesus, we thank you that you had greater plans for us than we have for ourselves at Christmas. That you have better ways for us to live than we could even dream of. And so Jesus, today, may you be our king, may you be our way, and may you find us faithful to you today. It's in your name that we pray. And all of us said together, amen.